And welcome, everyone, to a very special conversation edition of Ian Hates Music. My name is Ian, and today, and maybe in the future too, I haven't really decided, but I think that sometimes the conversations that I have with people have to have their own show because if I put them together with Ian Hates Music featuring Ty and Jackson, where we do news and reviews and everything going on in quote-unquote the scene, they'll end up being like three, three-and-a-half-hour shows. And that's that's pretty funny. But I think that it works better in some situations to separate the shows. So for this special episode, I am talking with Garrett Russell from the band Silent Planet. And I know you've heard that name, especially... If you know this type of music, if you know anything in any of the metal, metalcore, screamo, post-hardcore, metalcore, any of the genres that Ian Hates Music covers, you know Garrett Russell. He is the vocalist for Silent Planet, like I mentioned. They just had an amazing album come out called Everything With Sound. This conversation with Garrett is a lot different than the conversations that you've heard in the past because... Even though we talk a lot about music, we also go to politics and everywhere in between. And it's just a great, fun, interesting conversation. I think you'll learn some things. Because even if you don't learn a lot about Garrett, you'll learn a lot about myself, whatever it happens to be. Because we talk about everything. I can't speak highly enough about the new Silent Planet album, Everything With Sound. It's on Solid State Records. Once again, I think I'm doing those long intros. I apologize. So let's get to the conversation with Garrett. But before we do, I'm going to play the song Orphan off of Everything With Sound. We'll do the conversation. We'll come back. I'll do a little outro. And then we'll end the show with Nervosa. And we'll end the show with Nervosa because of something that I talked with Garrett about on the show. So listen in. This is a great conversation. But let's start right away with Orphan by Silent Planet.
All right, everyone, we are back, and I am here with Garrett Russell from the band Silent Planet. So, Garrett, I guess the first thing to start off with is, uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Just, uh, you know, home from tour for a little bit, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm just getting ready for the next one. Yeah, you just uh, finished with Warp Tour, right? Yeah, we did, yeah. Very nice, very nice. So, people that listen to the show know how honest and open I am with things, so I wanted to let you know right off the bat then I think this might be one of the most difficult conversations that I've had because I normally do, or I normally really try to do a lot of research before talking with someone, and I only have bands on here that I love. So I definitely wanted to have you on. And when I started really you know, going deep down and trying to find things, I realized that you have done a ton of press because you are very, very good to your fans. So there are tons of, of interviews and conversations with you out there. And I was really trying to figure out things that I could ask you that other people haven't. Uh, but I'm going to apologize if there are any cliche questions right off the bat, okay? Oh, man. Well, you know, uh, thanks for everything you just said, by the way. And, uh, and as, long, as long as you don't ask where the name of the band comes from, you know, we're all good. <laughs> yes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have all that down. See, I always wonder with that kind of stuff because for some of the bands that I've had on, they are definitely hugely popular and, and a lot of people, you know, they've done, you know, interviews in the past and they've talked to people, but normally there'll be something new coming out. So that's normally what they're focused on. With you, it seems like people have just asked every single question imaginable. Uh, you also did that uh, that Reddit AMA as well. It's, yeah. Yeah. It seems like you're extremely fan friendly and very very open with things so i really appreciate that oh, i just thanks, yeah absolutely absolutely um let's just start off really quick with some warp tour stuff because i know as a band i'm sure you really enjoy the smaller venue type of stuff a lot but coming off of that tour was there anything that kind of changed in your opinion of warp tour like would you definitely do it again yeah definitely would do it again and to be honest you know it's uh you know, Lord willing, if we're banned a few months from now, uh, <laughs> or not a few months from now, a few, a few years from now, I, I imagine we will be doing it again. Uh, it, it was cool. It was cool. I, um, you know, it's interesting that just the difference of it all. You know, it's funny. I, I meet these people on Warp Tour who do it like every. No, not usually bands, but like sometimes it'll be like you know drivers or tour managers or people who work for a nonprofit. Sure. And they do they do work tour every year, and it's so funny because they're kind of like, oh, you know, welcome to tour. We'll, we'll show you how tour is. <laughs> and and I I think it's the funniest thing because in my opinion they have no idea what like a real tour looks like. Yeah, oh, no, sure. that's not to say that work tour is not a real tour because work tour is the nicest tour I've ever been a part of. But oh, really? when I think of tour, I, I think of you know sleeping in sleeping in your van and, 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 you know, calling Chick-fil-A trying to get free food or dumping, <laughs> d you know, diving into a dumpster or, you know, staying at, staying at like someone's apartment floor and, and their cat is climbing on you and peeing on you. And that's what I think <laughs> of when I think of tour. And sure. it's so funny because honestly, dude, work tour is such a nice tour that like, I mean, dude, you're eating like five star food create like with meals planned out by a chef and, Nice. And just all the water and coffee and, and everything you could ever want is provided. And the sound system's incredible and the stage staff is professional. And it's all just really like pretty incredible how well it's run. And uh, it's such a different thing that I'm used to with our kind of DIY touring. 
you know. Yeah, that totally makes sense. That's what I wasn't sure about because you seem like a band, at least from what I've from what I've read, from what I've heard you talk about. Like it seems like you'd be very comfortable doing a whole string of house show tours. Yeah, we have we we've done house show tours and um, house show runs, or just we've been on like bigger tours that are playing you know venues, and uh, there's a day off, and someone hits us up, and before you know it, we're playing in their living room. So <laughs> we definitely like that. Uh, we we definitely embrace that aspect of our band and. We're excited that people want to have us in our house, and and they're excited sometimes to have us in their house, and it's just a cool thing and a way a way that we've always done it, and it's fun and keeps us humble. Oh sure, back to Warp Tour for just a second. You you played your sets, and then what did you do to pass the time afterwards? Were there any specific bands that you were looking to see? Did you go out and travel around in the specific cities? Was there a favorite place that maybe you visited? You know, so Warp Tour is one of those things that you really don't see much of the city because um, you're kind of in a fairground somewhere and, and your van is parked with a hundred other vans. So definitely that's like the one tour that we personally didn't really see much of anything. I, um, once again, we're pretty DIY. So it was just the four of us um, and a merch guy. And we had a guy drive because our van doesn't have AC. Oh, okay. So we were really, really, really hot during the day. And so we had no retreat from the sun. So the only time we could sleep was when our guy was driving, usually from like 12 to 1 a.m. to like 7 or 8 a.m. Sure. So we'd get our like six hours of sleep while we were moving. And then we'd wake up and we'd load our gear. And I'd spend the rest of the day, usually at the merch table, or pick, trying to, you know, um, you know, grabbing food or talking to people. So I would say without a doubt that it was the busiest I'd ever been because it, it really felt like we were working 16-hour days, you know. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. be, because, because we don't have a crew, you know what I mean? It, uh. For us, it, it was – we, we, we stayed very, very busy. And when we weren't busy, I was just at the merch table, you know, trying to hang out and talk to people. Oh, very nice. Being so fan-friendly as you are, were there any, like – awesome people that came up and talked to you like did you find yourself getting into any of those conversations that last like 30 minutes to an hour for sure i um yeah i i had a lot of very long conversations uh you know uh we would have people come out to shows and sometimes they'd be hanging out so late after warp tour was done that i would you know walk walk over to their car with them and just kind of be hanging out and uh you know just, just trying to be just trying to be available to talk because for one, I don't see our listeners as like fans. I, I honestly just see them as friends of ours and, oh, very nice. and you know, people, people that I can grow with and, and that I can get to know them and they can get to know me. And that's what's cool is, is this, it's, it's built into this genre and it's a shame that a lot of bands have forgotten that, right? you know, and, and sometimes think they're somehow like above their listeners and, you know, I mean, it's weird. It's it's weird that there's bands in this genre that don't even write their own music because it's just like, I thought that this genre was just kind of all about like being real with people and and you know uh, showing them like, hey, this is this is where I'm at. This is what I'm thinking about. This is what social issues or or the personal things that piss, piss me off. And right. just I I always was so attracted to the realness of it. And my favorite band before I ever started this band was a band called Plea for Purging because okay. I feel like. They, they did that to the max. 
Interesting. See, that right there was one of the scariest things that I think I can hear. And I think that also the listeners of the show will hear is to know that there are some bands that don't actually write their own music. I also heard you talk about Isn't that how, weird. Yeah, I, I can't believe it. Like, I thought that's what separated this genre from and not to, you know, not to <laughs> to put down pop music. But it's a well-known fact that a lot of pop yeah. music is written by, you know, certain producers, certain writers. They write yeah, for multiple absolutely. different people. Yeah, so that's that's a scary thing to hear right there. And then I also heard another conversation that you had where you had mentioned that some bands at Warp Tour have backing tracks with them as well. And that's scary to me because I thought the whole point... Yeah, well, and to clarify, and to oh, clarify sure. usually, usually what, what, you know, usually what people are kind of talking about when they say that is, is it... It's weird. It's it's weird to see bands who are like like the guitar and the drums or and the vocals, and it's all like behind the track. You know, it's one thing to you know we tour with four guys, which means that the um, the rhythm guitar or basically the, the less complex guitar is getting reamped. You know, sure. Um, so when we're playing it, and there, there's some like there's some like really weird like kind of noises, dark synth pads or whatever stuff that's happening in the backing tracks. Absolutely. But, but for us, it's, it's not like that, that that's going on and we're just kind of trusting on that and sort of like, you know, playing but not really playing behind it. There's, um, and, and I, I think most bands, a lot of times, will have some kind of thing behind them. But, but the, the idea is that, you know, the guitarist, is, it's really the guitarist that you hear, the drummer's the drummer you hear, and the vocalist whether he has a sore throat or he's feeling great, that's how you're going to hear him, you know, and that, that's just like what the band sounds like. And it's, it's that basic kind of expectation that I think, you know, I've had of, of our genre. And um, I think most people should expect from bands, you know? Right. Do you think that there is, and I, I think you've probably been asked this question before, but from what you've just said about, possibly not writing music and also about the the kind of backing track is there anything do you think that this scene and i know it's it's kind of funny still to call it a scene i guess this show in general we kind of talk about music that we love so it's screamo metalcore emo whatever it happens to be in the like sub rock genre basically what do you think this scene needs to do then to kind of get back to those roots that you were looking for when you originally started i guess a good question. Um, you know, I think that this genre. I think that this genre needs uh, uh, needs to be. Uh, well, I, I guess the responsibilities on so many different levels that oh, I would okay. feel like I'd feel amiss if I said one thing. And I, so I'd say on the label side. I think that label A and R should still be going to shows. Yeah. I think that labels should should be paying attention to like how bands sound. You know, do bands tour? Do they work hard? How long have they done this for? Um, there, there's a lot of those questions that I think are incredibly important for uh, labels to be figuring out, and, and that, that that's a responsibility on that side. I think on the responsibility of bands, it's a little trickier because um, you know everyone's coming from such a different perspective and. Right. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people might, you know, what got them into this genre be like, you know, maybe a band that is very produced, maybe asking Alexandria got them to be want to play, you know, music. 
Yeah. And maybe someone else, you know, got into it because they, they're a fan of bad brains and like the original hardcore movement. And, and, and for some weird reason, we kind of all get lumped into one music scene. True. And it's funny because I, you know, I, I don't totally understand hardcore music, uh, from front to back but I kind of once had a friend tell me you know hardcore is less about like the genre of what they play and more about the message and yeah. I, I thought that was kind of interesting um, and I, I, I'm still kind of honestly thinking about that um, because it, it does seem you know like when you listen to when I think of a hardcore band I expect them to be pretty dank musically simple and I expect you know I expect them you know, like hardcore music is maybe the most simple music you could ever imagine, you know, if you really break down the songs. But usually the messages that simultaneously can actually be very complex, you know. True. Um, very true. So it's that that's a kind of interesting situation there is 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 really who are you talking to because um my my hope would be that people would write music that uh that they that, that comes from their heart things that they think is important and hopefully that they get past the whole like writing and just about relationships oh, okay. and start and choose, and choose to write about stuff that maybe is more than breakups and it's not wrong to write about a breakup you know breakups are, can be devastating and can can really screw you up and that's good to want to process it but i'd hope that people can can get past that too Sure, that makes sense, and I kind of, I guess that kind of leads into your albums because you're very, it seems like concept driven, and I was just wondering, you know, everyone knows, like I, I'm not going to ask you about the concept itself on your two albums because I think that most people know about it already, and believe me, I'm a huge fan of what you've been doing. So I guess my question oh, though you. is, oh, absolutely, my question though is. What made you kind of want to form your ideas and what your message is to go into that concept realm? Because that is such a, like, it's an extra level that you have to think about when you're making this music, right? It is. It's it's weird, though. It's, you know, I, I've had a lot of people be like, you know, uh, you know, people might say, okay, it's impressive that I do that or whatever. And, and I'm being completely honest with you, and I say that I honestly don't even... I don't want to take too much credit, you know, for, for any of that, because I, I genuinely, um, I don't know how I could do this genre or, or really write music if I didn't have a very specific purpose. Does that make sense? Yeah, it like, does. I understand. Well, not to cut you off. I just, I understand that you're, you might not like the compliments of it, but just the idea itself, like even if it's not, necessarily the idea of a concept in general but just the like the idea for what you're doing in this current album for what you're doing with everything with sound and i love the word you use because i've never heard of this before but the panopticon is that how you say it yeah yeah panopticon yeah yeah there we go yeah which is that prison of the mind and you have the doors that you go into for the different mental illnesses for each track like just that idea itself is interesting so when you mentioned, so you can continue on. I just want to say that's kind of where I'm going with this was it's not just taking credit for the concept, but just that idea is interesting enough to go on for. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And, you know, I, I would tell you that absolutely the, uh, a lot, a lot of, a lot of these concepts, I feel like I'm still like, there's so many different things that I sat on for a long time and 
you know, started this band in 2009 and mm-hmm. went through pretty much all of undergrad and all of grad school, like looking at bands who were on tour thinking, man, I wish I was them. I wish I was on tour. I wish I was doing that. Right. And so, you know, you've, I finally got to this place where, um, you know, uh, we have listeners and we have a label that will pay for the cost of recording our record and stuff. And so now it's like, wow, I, I finally get to kind of pull these ideas out of my pocket that have been sitting there for so long. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I think I, I'm very thankful that it took so long to get to where we're at mm-hmm. because it, it, it did teach me a lot about um, about patience and it really gave me time to process these things, you know what I mean? And, and to get to a place where telling these stories is of the utmost importance to me and and popularity or what people think about it isn't. And I, to be honest, I think that a lot of other bands, I meet a lot of band people who are quite smart and, you know, I, I'm, I'm not interested in like naming names or anyone, but <laughs> I, I see a lot of bands that are really smart. And when I hear like the stuff they sing about, I'm like, that is not, that's not your best foot forward. But I read that a lot of people have this understanding that like, you know, if I really like, if I take too much of a chance, I'm going to lose our fans or something. Right. Yeah, that so, definitely. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that's a, that's a big part of it. I totally understand where you're coming from. And that is a big thing. It's a lot of people are afraid to make, you know, it happens. It happens with podcasting. It happens, I guess, with everything is you yeah. want to, you want to keep your listeners, but you also don't want to be that person that, you know, quote unquote sells out. Like you want to be that band that makes their own music that they want to, because you're going to be the one who's playing it, especially you guys, you guys are touring so much. And especially you can tell how passionate you are about touring itself. When you're out there doing the live show, you're going to want to love what you're saying. And you're going to want to put that message out constantly. If you don't, then what's really the point? Even if people are, you know, jumping, excuse me, jumping around a little bit, does that make it worth it? Yeah, it does. I, I, I would, I would say, I would say it does. I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Sorry, I might've missed the question. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> I, I do that sometimes. I've been told uh, my apologies for that. <laughs> oh, dude, I do that all the time. I, I, I get asked questions and all of a sudden I'm talking about like, what I think of, you know, like touring in Japan. And they're like, no, I, I was asking you the name of your album. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. and believe me, the if there's anything about uh, Ian Hates Music and my other show, Ian Hates Movies, pretty much that's what we do is go on tangents. I so thought that I, was a really funny name, by the way. Oh, thank uh, you very much. <laughs> I was I was looking at it yeah. and I was like thinking like, I was like, oh, well, maybe it's just a really Latin name like Hot Taste or something. I wasn't sure if oh. it was actually Hate. Yeah, it's, it's Hate's... Funny. It's hates for a couple of reasons. One is, and sorry for telling you my backstory here, but like I said, go on. No, 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 I'm, I'm super into that. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. Uh, I guess it's years and years I kind of had this nickname, Ian Hates, and I was like, well, that's kind of branding. Why don't I go with this? And the reason why I got the nickname was because I am so open with what I'm saying. I was an Army Air Force brat for most of my life. I was so- yeah, so constant moving around, getting bullied in every single school that I went to, and I was never one of those people that would ever back down from, you know, I've had 30 kids beat me up, I've had all that kind of stuff. I wow. don't yeah, I don't care. I would rather I would rather have my opinion heard and hear other people's opinions than just, you know, go with the flow of things, I guess. So, that's where the joke. So, if someone 
talks about a movie that they love and I don't like it or a very popular movie and I don't like it, then I'll tell them why I don't think it's good because they're already telling me why it is good. You see what I mean? Yeah, I, absolutely, I totally get that. Yeah, so it just it ended up becoming a brand. And what I think the funniest thing is, in most cases, in everything that we talk about on these shows, it's mostly stuff I love. Like, I don't, I don't come on this show and talk about music that I don't like. I mean, every once in a while, a band might come up in the news that we, that we discuss. But other than that, it's all stuff that I love. You know, take out that I just reviewed Suicide Squad on, uh, on Ian Hates Movies. That wasn't very good. Uh, but in general, it's yeah, mostly... Yeah, everyone seems yeah. kind of pissed about that movie. I don't, I, I, I don't really know much about superheroes. I don't like not like it. I just don't really pay much attention. So yeah. I was just more kind of marveling at how bummed everyone was about the movie. Well, actually, I liked your... I, I don't know if it was deliberate or not, but your play on words with marveling, I think was, I think was pretty uh-huh. good there. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where it wasn't that I was upset about it because I don't think I we try and joke on the show as much as possible. So it's mostly a joke throughout the whole thing about why they didn't make it better when they had the appropriate source material to. I guess that was the real thing is why settle for the mediocre when you can go bigger. Huh? I, I completely see that. That makes a lot of sense. Now, are you a, besides superheroes, are you a movie person? Is there anything that you enjoy like relaxing with a certain type of movie genre or anything? Yeah, um, definitely. I uh, um, I really like political-ish movies, okay. um, and I think that horror. I, I don't love horror movies, but I think that they're theologically very like fascinating. And uh, I, re- I I attended this this guy. He's a uh, he, he, he's the guy who made the exorcism of Emily Rose oh, the sure. other movies. Mm-hmm. And I, I attended a lecture uh, when I was in college when he, and he said something that really stuck with me. And I've always thought about it. It's just such an interesting thing. He said, he said that horror is the most like theologically profound uh, genre because it brings you, it kind of, it offends your categories and it makes, you know, people who don't believe in God or, you know, people who do believe in God, it, it scares them because they feel the opposite even though they don't want to. And I always thought that's really interesting. And um, he, he talks a lot about the horror of the crucifixion. Okay. Um, he talks a lot about, talks a lot about the, you know, the, the Christians, you know, a lot of people uh, who follow, who follow God and, and, and believe in the gospel and stuff, they, 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 you know, take for granted a lot of these things, this idea of, you know, like death and blood and, and the gore of it all. And, and talks about the idea of, you know, humans killing God and everything being turned upside down, and just how, basically, he believes, you know, the whole gospel narrative is kind of a horror thing, and uh, that, that people have kind of begun to take it for granted. Huh. I, yeah, I always thought that was a really interesting kind of uh, way that he sees things, and he makes incredibly, like, violent horror movies, and the dude's like a devout Christian, so that's kind of fun. I wonder, yeah, I've heard people talk about, yeah, they've had, like, major like philosophical discussions about the effect that horror movies have on people like just in general because even though there are terrible things that happen in the world on a regular basis it's not often that you're going to be chased by a you know slasher serial killer or you know jason or whatever it happens to be totally yeah so it's supposed to bring out that almost animalistic part of you 
that you're supposed to that you wouldn't normally feel that type of fear in real life. Absolutely. Yeah, it is very interesting actually, and uh, for me, I think I hold horror movies to a higher, like a higher level because when they're done well, they are really, really great. But when they're, you know, a lot of the stuff that's out now, it's just that kind of um, like shock scream kind of thing. It's jump scares. And that's not really what horror was supposed to be about originally. That's not getting to that primal fear. That's just like, oh, you saw something really quick on the screen and you reacted. Hmm. That's, yeah. Wow. I, I totally get that. I, I'm, yeah. I think that a lot of people have, uh, you know, it, it, it's like more of a cheap thrill thing. You know what I mean? And I, I think part of that's obviously the burden would be on the makers of horror movies to actually, you know, be able to achieve something that you can't just say like, oh, that was scary. And then like go on with your life. But and, and I, I mean, in general, I think that's kind of the, the age old, you know, semi pretentious art question of <laughs> how are we going to how are we going to make something that people can't just put away, but they're like stuck thinking about yes. it. Yeah, something that sticks with you the way like The Shining still sticks with people to this very day. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I got you. That makes sense. Now, you had mentioned political type theme movies. What kind of stuff are you talking about? Um, you know, recently I watched this movie called Syriana. Oh, yeah. Like George Clooney. Mm -hmm. And uh, it basically shows every angle at which people are affected by like the, the politics and the uh, the politics and the uh, kind of ramif the ramifications of how we make decisions about uh, how we split up oil fields and who gets the contract and where the money goes and stuff. And I thought it was interesting. It was, uh, it was, you know, uh, it had some dry spells and stuff, but oh, sure. definitely thought it, it made me think about stuff that I don't normally think about as just a, your average car driving American. Oh, I, I appreciated that a lot. Well, you seem to be pretty outspoken about politics and, and everything in between. I have a question, if you don't mind talking about politics for a second. I know everyone is you know, jumping on board of you know, making fun of Donald Trump and everything that's going on. I tend to, <laughs> yeah. I tend to have, my, my main thing, I think, is that I have a real problem justifying the whole go out and vote for the lesser of two evils. I don't know how. Yeah, me too. Yeah, okay, too. all right. Yeah, what do you normally think about that? Because that's, I think that's my major hang-up because I just don't like anyone. Like, I can't imagine voting right now for any of the candidates. So I, I'm always trying to juggle that whole thing. Like, uh, do, you, do you ever follow George Carlin at all? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. He, he had that great bit about how people normally say, hey, if you don't vote, you don't get to complain. And he had that whole opposite view of, no, no, I'm the one who's not putting those people into office. I am the one who gets to complain. And I always thought that was pretty interesting, his flip on that. Like, what do you normally do? What's your thought process for this kind of stuff? Because I've heard some things, uh, you know, I've heard you uh, joke around about Donald Trump. I've heard many people joke around about Clinton. And I just, I don't know. I'm still, I'm up in the air. I just wish there was someone there who I actually had some faith in, you know? Totally. I mean, I'll tell you outright, like, I'm, I'm going to vote for Gary Johnson. Okay. Um, when the election rolls around. I don't, I don't think, I'm not someone who, like, 
I think a lot of people I meet who are like hard, hardcore libertarians are like, exist in like an intellectual vacuum where like, uh-huh. you know, um, like things will work out and, you know, poor people will be taken care of by, by people with that are rich and the rich are just going to get super rich and take care of them. I, I don't totally agree. I'm not like some Andoran person at all. Um, actually, I think that um, she's pretty horrible. Sure. <laughs> but um, I, I, I do personally, you know, I, I, I do believe that uh, um, both candidates are, I mean, you know, on one hand, you have a candidate who's just so corrupt and mm-hmm. uh, is, is the definition of a puppet. I mean, yeah. I don't think there's ever been more of an obvious puppet. I mean, George Bush was a puppet. Yeah, well, but, sure. Um, you know, you, 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 you're just a complete puppet and someone who's, uh, you know, the, the, the way I kind of ex- was explained to someone, to someone how I see it is this. I think that Hillary Clinton is someone who she's aware of the truth. Like, she's been in politics long enough, but she's pretty good at lying to people. Oh, absolutely. And, yep. and, 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 and she, she, like, she, she, you know, she, did, she knows the truth is out there, and she wants to keep it as far away from her as possible. Right. I, I would say that Donald Trump is someone who, at, at some point, seems so delusional that he, he doesn't even know if the truth exists. <laughs> because, like, you show him, like, a, you show him a clip of him saying something. That, I didn't say that. Well, here's a clip of you saying that. No, not me. Right. It's just like, what? You know, how, how, how are you doing that? Right. It's so funny. And, uh, you know, uh, he's created this, like, cult around him where people really believe that, you know, he, that he, I mean, he, he clearly, he's just talking. Like, he's just saying things. Like, he's up on the podium. And I don't blame him because that would probably be me, too. Like, I'd be up on that podium and I'd be like, well, you know, kind of got through the teleprompter here. Uh <laughs> Yeah, you know, what if what if maybe, maybe China's the people who did this? You know, right. or maybe we should blame Russia. It just starts kind of like saying random things, and it's, it's clearly bizarre because I mean, you know, there's no need to like dress up, you know, to to, to dress it up to something it's not. The dude has no clue what he's saying. He's just talking, um, and, and, and you know, I I don't fully agree with a lot of the stuff Barack Obama says, but I do agree with Barack Obama when he was kind of like, you know, yeah, like. You you want someone who uh, who has absolutely no experience whatsoever? Isn't that kind of weird? Like, yeah. don't you kind of want him to sort of know what he's talking about a little bit? Sure. And you know, obviously, everyone's like, "No, we want a complete outsider." Okay, well, well, I guess we'll see what you get when you get someone who has no idea of anything that's going on. Yeah, wasn't um, wasn't that kind of the thing with George W. Bush? Is people wanted to vote for it was that it was that cliche? You want to vote for someone who will have a beer with you? But where was the actual experience and where was the knowledge base besides that his father had been there? Yeah, no, totally. And, and, and uh, you know, you have uh, you have someone like Barack Obama, which, you know, regardless of how you feel about him, uh, I, I would say that he he clearly is pretty, pretty knowledgeable. You know, he, he's just kind of a smart guy. Sure. You see people ask him questions about, you know, money and politics. And you, it's funny, I don't know if you saw on Reddit, they asked a question about money politics. And um, you saw two, you saw the exact same question get asked to him and Donald Trump. Yeah, and yeah. Donald Trump, when asked about money and politics, said, we're going to defeat Hillary Clinton and never let her into the White House. <laughs> or he said, crooked Hillary. Like, like how, how are you going to get money out of politics? I'm going to beat crooked Hillary in this election. And like, <laughs> you ask Donald Trump that thing, and he gives you like five paragraphs of like legal stuff that like, by the end of it, you're falling asleep. Right. You know what I mean? It's it's two pretty different people, and 
And by no means do I think a career politician is what we need. No. But someone like Gary Johnson, who has been a politician, who did a really, really good job of it and never really gave into the machine or corruption, because he's pretty, he's a weird guy and he kind of embraces his weirdness, is someone that I think is, seems like a pretty cool option. Yeah, if you're running, I mean, if you're running libertarian, you're going to be sort of weird, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's the way it goes. But then yeah, when, I look at, when I look at Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, I also don't think normal. So I guess I guess that's kind of the way. Yeah, well, Go definitely ahead. Not, not, not healthy normal. I mean, no. I think you could say that Hillary Clinton is uh, the definition of a puppet. Sure. Um, but I don't know if it's normal for people to basically be the front for something else that's happening. Right. Um, but yeah, dude, it's, it's crazy. It is really, really crazy. It's just going to get crazier. I mean, the other day, like Donald Trump was like, yeah, Barack Obama is the founder of ISIS. Yeah. Everyone's cheering. (laughs) That's a big thing out there right now. It's like, it's like, I'm not, like, I'm not even surprised anymore. No. Like, how weird is that? No, we have been. I'm not even surprised to hear him say that Donald, that, that, that he's the founder of ISIS. We're so desensitized now. We really are. It's like, holy crap, dude. That's like, really? Well, what's what's funny is I used to think I used to think that Donald Trump knew what he was doing and was kind of kind of placating to people and being like, oh, so I'm like, ah, oh, he doesn't really believe that. He just he's just saying that because that's what the people want to hear, and then he's gonna go on from there. But then, yeah, when you hear something like that, you start to wonder, has he been in control of any of this? Well, that yeah, you see, I think a lot of people thought that he knew what he was doing um, uh, in, like, the primaries and stuff. And now that he's running against Hillary Clinton, and all he has to do is just, like, shut his mouth right. and let, like, Hillary Clinton's corruption, like, win the election for him. Yeah, because there's instead, lots of like, it. <laughs> yeah, and, and instead, he's just, like, being awful. And it's like, well, sucks for you, dude. Like, you really screwed that up, man. Because now, like, you know, it's like, he, he, when, the, when the parents of the military, you know, when the parents of the military dude who sacrificed his life mm-hmm. are talking about how hurt they are, you could just be like, you know, I appreciate the military sacrifices of this guy and his family. Um, however, you know, I still believe blah, blah, blah. Right. You, know, you don't even have to like. You don't have to change your positions. You could just not be an asshole. Right. But like, he 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 really. I I think that he clearly could be diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder because once again, a, a personality disorder it really is only a disorder stopping you from really uh, your potential uh, as a human being, and it, and it's hurting your ability to to do what you want in life and. And it's really, and the funny thing is, his narcissism is hurting his ability to become president. Right. Well, can we can we uh, really though? Can we really call someone a narcissist who just displays his name on everything that he could possibly have? Yeah, it's true. It, it's 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 a bit obvious, isn't it? <laughs> but it's just uh, it's 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 so crazy. I just like having someone who's very open to talk about this stuff because it, it's very difficult. I don't know how your interaction with social media is when it comes to stuff like this. But even for just myself in general, I can just take a story from it. My friends are like almost split down the middle on what they're doing. So it's all, you know, one meme with no real stats on it and it's this made up, whatever. And I had one of my friends who threatened to defriend me 
because she said that on a post, the most competent person who has ever run for president is Hillary Clinton. And if you don't agree with me, then you're wrong. And was completely she serious. the most confident person? No, the most competent ever. Oh, competent. Oh, competent yeah, person. no way. Yeah. It's actually funny. If, if you, if you re- read about her a little bit, most people who've worked for her would describe her as like, somewhat confused and generally like angry at everyone like that doesn't sound like a very competent person to me no that's why i thought her choice of words because i questioned it i was like are you being sarcastic are you joking like that's a funny line if you if that was true but no she went on a whole tangent about how if you vote for anyone else other than hillary clinton you're a misogynist and whoa yeah and that's throwing around and i know you've been very outspoken about that kind of stuff, about actual things that are happening. For someone just to throw that around like that's nothing is, is pretty crazy. It is, and it's a bummer, too, when you see people like pointing fingers and calling people racist and misogynist when it's not true because it really loses its... I mean, it's important. Like, talking about misogyny is very important to me. Yeah. You know? And, and it, it sucks to see some people, like, just really, you know, use it to get their gain or to get their political points across because it it doesn't help you know it doesn't it doesn't really enrich conversation no it, it stifles conversation if anything it does it does it, it's 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 a it's a very anti-intellectual thing to do and, and and that's trust me like there's a lot of times that people are like oh if you call someone a racist you're racist. i mean there's tons of stuff it's like yeah like you can say that donald trump has said racist things because they're racist things oh yeah like their definition they're, they're by definition by definition is right. yes it, and it's 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 you know it's it's equally weird when people want to say like that he hasn't or something, but it's also a bummer you know when, when you know you see you see the opposite and and you see just this kind of this fear of people being able to just like speak speak their mind because they they don't want to get labeled something you know they don't a lot of people might have questions about you know like oh well is is it, is it what what about abortion like what about the babies or something and. They don't. They're not trying to say women shouldn't have rights. They just like genuinely like want to have an intellectual conversation without like, you know, getting told that they're going like that they're going to liberal hell or something. Right. right. Um, it's it's also it's a very interesting thing. You know, I, I was talking to my pastor about this. That um, I, I've been told by a lot of different. I, I see a lot of different Christian people on the internet and stuff who kind of don't like me. Uh, well, come kind of from afar. I don't usually know them, but oh, sure. they're usually like he's a he's a Christian liberal and. He's, you know, he cares more about being uh, liberal than about um, being, like, true to Christ or something, which is sad that people feel that way, but, you know, it is what it is. People can people can feel what they want to feel and stuff. But it's also been kind of an interesting thing to see, because I, I, I've always felt like the problem with a lot of, you know, uh, the problem with liberal humanism is that it, 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 wants, it wants a hell very badly, yes. <laughs> is, is the way that I would say. Is that, That's a great you know, way to put it, yeah. You know, it's you see you see someone who gets convicted, who gets accused of rape or something, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I, or even people who are accused of rape, and it's like they should have their testicles thrown off, and they should be thrown in a snake pit and suffer forever. And just talking about like torturing other humans, or even you know people that are wrong, or people like Donald Trump and stuff, talking about like, oh, they should be dead, they don't even deserve to be alive, and they're not humans, and just all the different ways that you see people, uh, you know, like kind of dehumanizing people that they disagree with. And I've always thought that's so fascinating because it's, it's this desire, like above all to just like punish those who don't agree with you. And it, 
a genuine kind of hatred for anyone who would, you know, not be part of your agenda. And I, I've always thought that's so fascinating because, um, you know, I, I, I just that, 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 that deep-seated desire for there to be order in a universe, but that you don't even really uh, want to point towards where that's coming from and stuff. And I see that a lot in liberal America, just this, this absolute, like, vicious hatred of those who, who would disagree with the government ideology. And, and that, 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 that's kind of strange and something that, like we were saying, kind of, I think, maybe starts with stifles intellectual conversation. I think in a similar way, when someone says, you know, they have their own form of what heaven would be like, I think a lot of people have their own forms of what they think hell should be like as well. If they're believing in yeah. that, you know, that actual hell, that literal hell, that's what they're expecting. They're expecting everyone that they hate, everyone that they think has done something to wrong them most of the time, not just humanity in general, but wrong them personally, that they're going to go to that hell and have everything done to them because they're terrible human beings. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And and it's um it's also we're we're very quick, you know, uh kind of on the on the point, I guess, that we're talking about of um how people kind of get to pick and choose like right and wrong. Like you, you see Donald Trump saying a lot of stuff and, and a lot of it's like disturbing and a lot of it's wrong. Right. Um but I, I, I actually have a friend in South America who like re, re, wrote this blog about how privileged Americans are to say that Donald Trump, like that voting for him is, would be more like of an egregious human rights decision than voting for Hillary Clinton and how they're voting for Hillary Clinton because like she cares more about, you know, like what's important because this person is sitting there thinking like, well, Hillary Clinton learned everything she knows from Henry Kissinger and Henry Kissinger had no problem starting wars in South America True. and in Central Asia and all around the world to like to, to maximize American profits and to get what he wanted and to install puppet dictators mm-hmm. and these these, these 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 evil globalism things like people will shrug at as long as she says the right things about feminism you know like oh, who, who, who cares who cares about those kids in Latin America like you know all, all that matters is that a New York liberal is happy. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. kind of, no, kind of that that bull crap, um, and, and that that really struck me too. Because I think um, you know, I, I, as someone who's a Christian, I I I I think that I need to think. Of, I, I have a I need to see the the interests of human beings, and not not just only Christians can do this, but but for me, my Christian faith has sure. led me to believe that I need to really think about my. Um, my political inclinations and in my thoughts and my desires and how they would affect everyone around the world equally. Right. right? Because as, as a Christian, I, I've inherited this kind of strange tradition, I'll admit of, um, you know, I don't have my, my, my tribe isn't just my nation, you know, like being an American isn't my primary identity. Now I'm not saying I'm not an American and I'm not saying I hate being an American, right. but right. simply put it, um, Jesus calls me to it, to a whole nother kingdom. Um, and, and that that kingdom involves people all around the world, and that kingdom tells me that those who are overlooked by society and those people who are victims of war crimes committed by Hillary Clinton are as much my brothers and sisters as are my you know my next door neighbors and here in America. Right. That's not always. Se- I mean, it's really not seen most of the time, and unfortunately, I think, and and it's not to stereotype, but I think a lot of times. When people have their negative views on religion, and especially with Christianity, 
they're not meeting people like you. You know what I mean? They're well, meeting the people that are damning them. Politicians have done a fantastic job of essentially, um, well, and governments have done this for a long time, but really marrying the, the, the cross and the crown, so to speak. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Creating, um, creating a, uh, creating a, a paradigm by which people believe to be patriotic is to be religious and to be religious is to be patriotic. And, um, it's weird because the same people who are like, you know, everything you need to know about life is here in the Bible are a lot of the people who I meet who will, you know, openly endorse these views of like, you know, um, being a, being a good Christian is to be a good American. But if you really read the Bible, um, there, there's some politically very subversive things going on. You know what I mean? There's yeah. this, um, Jesus saying, you know, that I'm the son of God and that I'm going to bring a new kingdom. That wasn't something that people thought was like, oh, what a nice fairy tale. Like, okay, now, now go, go back and be a good citizen. People read that and really read that, you know, I'm here to, to, to change everything that you know about, about Caesar and about the crown. And uh, there, there's a reason why, why the Romans sanctioned the murder of Jesus, you know? Yeah, it wasn't just, I mean, there's a lot of backstory that goes along with that for sure. But yeah, that's, that's very true. A lot of the times you'll say that liberals aren't religious and that conservatives are super religious. And that's kind of the way people like to go about it. But then also there hasn't been anyone who's been elected to the office who hasn't been Christian, I believe. Yeah, well, and it's, it's, and, but to be honest, I mean, this is how I see it. I, I think that politics are such a, such a game of just, you know, being two-faced. But uh, a lot of people like to brand themselves as, yeah, I'm a Christian, you know, because they know it's going to get the votes. But it's like, you know, I, I'm not interested in saying who gets to be a Christian and who doesn't. Right. But you just clearly, you can clearly, like, look, look at the lives of a lot of politicians and be like, you know, uh, how, how did, you know, how did your um, faith in Jesus lead you to make that decision? And, and overwhelmingly, it has very little to do with uh, their devotion to God or their faith in Jesus that leads them to these things. It's, it's, it's money, you know, it's political yes. gain, it's, it's power, it's, it's sex, it's whatever. But, um, and it's, it's pretty funny to watch these two candidates act like they have some religious oh, like, yes. ties. <laughs> It, I mean, it's kind of a joke. It's like, you know, you have one guy who, like, who pretty much is telling you to do the opposite of, of, of what Jesus talked about. And you have someone else who, uh, you know, is just uh, okay with lying. Yes. <laughs> and, 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 and is uh, kind of stolen uh, through her entire life. So. Right. Saying whatever you know, possible it, to get to the White House, which is the ultimate goal. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's in this time that, that you really would have hope that people could become independent thinkers and mm-hmm. could be like, you know what? Oh, no. Like, I, how about I don't vote around party lines? How about, like, I don't defend a really, really atrocious person just because I think the other person's slightly more atrocious? Right. Like, yes. Wh- what, what, what if I just started thinking for myself or looked up 30 party candidates? Because whether you consider yourself a liberal or a conservative, there's a way better option on both sides oh, than just I- and Gary Johnson. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm more searching for now is how can I affect how can my vote? Well, first of all, we all know that there's only two to three states maybe that will decide this election anyways, because that's the way the system is set up. But in general, how can you hurt that party one or party two? It's by going with party three. 
and you know showing that there is an interest in that kind of candidate. I just love. Uh, were, were you ever a Simpsons fan? A what? A Simpsons fan? Yeah. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Actually, yesterday for the first time, I watched that episode where Family Guy and Simpsons have a co. Oh, the crossover. Like yeah, watching that. Yeah, I was watching that as I was filling out merch forms and shipping merch because <laughs> we we still do things pretty DIY. Yeah, <laughs> I, I saw some of your posts. Yeah, you uh you had a crazy place in Australia or something you were sending one to. Yeah, it was like it was Wulumulu, Wulumulu, I think. That is like spelled out just how you would expect it to be spelled out. Yeah, like W O O L O O, and then continuing on. Yeah, the lady at the post office laughed too when I went there, and I was like, "Oh, you, 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 silly Australian!" You know, my last podcast actually had the opportunity to do was also with a cool Australian dude. Oh, very nice. What uh, what show was that? Sorry, what were you saying about this? Oh, oh, sorry. We can go back. Um. Well, they have that great episode where Kang and Kodos come down. It was that Treehouse of Horror where they take over Bill Clinton's body and Bush's body. And then at the end, they get that big reveal. And some people are sending around the memes now because it's it's relevant. You know, they both end up being the aliens and everyone's saying, well, I'll just vote for a third oh. party candidate. That one. It's so perfect. And it's still to this day yeah. makes me laugh. Yeah, I saw um, my our booking agent, uh, Matt Anderson, awesome dude. Yeah, I mean, he's done a lot for us. Uh, he's uh, he had shared that on Instagram, and then later <laughs> that night, he came out to our like come home show that we had a couple weeks ago, and uh, our homecoming show that we had uh, in Orange County. Oh, nice! And we were talking about politics. I was like, oh yeah, what do you think? And he was like, oh, well, you know that Instagram post. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Pretty much sums it up. And uh, I think um, South Park did that too really well with the giant with like the into something turd yeah, yeah. turd sandwich yeah, yeah. <laughs> the turd sandwich yeah. uh that it's funny because i know that they were making fun of another election but man those other that other election pales in comparison to this one yeah and, and i don't think i'm just saying that because i actually have, i voted in two elections this will be my third election that i'm yeah. voting in and so I, I don't feel like I'm just, you know, an 18-year-old kid who's just mad about things. I mean, this really is like the worst two options right. the American public's ever been given. Yeah, and that's, um, I guess that's the thing is, how does that happen? And look, we're never going to solve this on, on this podcast, but it's just, that's, of the, kind of, that's well, the kind of thing I think about is... Wh- I'll, tell, I'll tell you what, like, I'll, I'll just say it unabashedly, and this isn't to make fun of any particular Democrat sure. or any particular, uh, any particular Republican, but... The the way I see it, the Republican Party has been prone to fits of stupidity like I've never seen. Just oh, sure. incredibly dumb monologues from Congress people about, you know, homosexuality and, and how it won't work at the end of the world and just weird, bizarre, hateful things. And right. the Democratic Party has been taken over by so much corruption. Um, yeah. Yeah. and so on on you know, and both sides are right. And it's unfortunate that, you know, if I point and I say like, look at how corrupt the democratic party is people think i'm voting for donald trump right you know yeah, yeah you, like, if you look at, if you look at donald trump and you're like look how stupid that man like look at how genuinely dumb that is for him to like to like you know talk about torturing the families of terrorists like we won't have any allies around the rest of the world right. that's going to be really bad for everyone and, and, and you want to point at these things but automatically people think you're taking sides when in reality you're just trying to talk about what you see ahead of you you know there doesn't seem to be that dialogue or that conversation anymore. There's no context to anything. And I think that's that's what I was getting into a little while back before with some people was there doesn't seem to be any context. And I think that's it's not the way to go. 
<laughs> it's it's just not the way no. to go. And I'll I'll switch this get back to music, but there was something I wanted to bring up with with unfortunately with the misogyny thing that got thrown around as well. Yeah, have you totally. been have you been paying attention to the Olympics? No, uh, I can't say I have really at all. Um, I, I I'm, a, I'm a pretty big basketball fan, so oh, okay. I watched the highlights of the Australia game and just love how how mean those Australians play. Man, it's great. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> I love it. It, ma- it makes our like Olympians have to like you know be humans for a second, get their butts kicked a little bit. I think it's hilarious. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, America can't dominate everything. No, they can't. Well, and the Australians are kind of like, you know, you're probably going to beat us, but you're also going to be hurting the next day after right. you beat us. And I think that's great. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think people need a challenge. Like, I don't want to have totally. everyone just run over people. Like, the Olympics should exactly. be the best of the best, and everyone's pushed to their limit kind of thing. They should. And, and it's like, you know, I'm not rooting against America, but no. I do like to watch. I like to watch LeBron James have to play, uh, or not, not LeBron, but, well, you know, watch watch Kevin Durant have to play against have to play against someone who's going to like really take advantage of the fact that he's a skinny dude and push him oh, around. Oh, sure. Yeah. And then that, that really, you're going to see Kevin Durant shine in those moments, you know what I mean? So, anyways, I, I watched the basketball a little bit, but I don't, I don't know if I know uh, what you oh. might be referring to. What I was going to, what I was just going to point out was it's, it's been all over recently. The new thing to be upset about was that apparently the commentators, and I personally, I haven't been able to watch much Olympics, so I'm just reading the the news stories and everything, but apparently the commentators have been making a lot of comments where they bring up that so-and-so recently had a kid and how well she's doing even though she just recently had a kid and saying, I, I guess, one gymnast actually one of the guys when when she was on i think uh the uneven bars or something when she was doing her swings that she might have gotten higher than the men and there are now all these uh reports about how nbc commentators are being extremely sexist and misogynist i was wondering what your take on that was so 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 people feel like they're being misogynist because i just Kind of, they're talking about their motherhood and yeah. What's the what's the what's the thing about getting higher than the men? Was that just because they're they're insinuating that that's surprising? Yeah, yeah, that kind of that kind of talk. And well, I mean, I I I think I could be wrong. I I think you know scientifically, you know, uh, men can typically uh, run faster and jump higher than women. Right. Um, you know that 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 doesn't mean anything about the value of their them as a human. That's what obviously. And that's what I was commenting on as well. It seemed strange to me because I pointed out to someone it was a Chicago paper, but a Chicago paper said their headline was wife of Chicago football player won gold. So instead of promoting her name, they went with the oh, man. Yeah, that's, that, that, that definitely, I, I mean, if that was the main headline, uh, that, that does seem sexist. It, I mean, it, it would be, I, that seems pretty sexist to me. It would be relevant, of course, to say that, uh, you know, by the way, she's a wife of a, you know, of a whoever, sure. um, just like it would be for a husband. But that, yeah. that, that definitely does seem pretty sexist. That's, that's weird. That kind of surprises me. I don't want you to just be commenting on something that you haven't been able to do your research on. It's all over now. It seems to be just a new thing for people to be upset about. But it just seemed to me that when misogyny and sexism can be so extremely detrimental to a lot of a lot of faculties for a lot of people that what commentators say on the Olympics is now considered that strong. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. You know, I, 
you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always glad that, you know, people will be reading things with a critical eye and thinking like, you know, what, how do I feel about that? You know, do I, how does that represent me? Um, but it's once again, you know, uh, I think that, uh, I think that, uh, like with regards to feminism, for instance, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's kind of like internet feminism where people like get outraged about things that don't affect them. Right. And then there's like, I would say like real world feminism, like talking about how, you know, women in these countries can't vote and talking about female genital mutilation right. and, 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 and issues that, that by no means would I say that certain issues make it so that other issues can't get talked about. Like, you know, you absolutely can talk about misogyny in the Olympics and fight, um, you know, certain things, but it's, it's important, I think, to, uh, to, to really look at like the privilege that we have sure. uh, where we live and, and to kind of keep in mind, um, keep, keep in mind, uh, you know, the, the decision, the, the, the ways that we talk about things and, and, and the privilege that, that, that we come from when, when we're able to, you know, maybe get, get up in arms about certain things when, when there, there's, there's bigger issues happening, even in the inner city. America, oh, absolutely. You know, and, and th- those things, those things, it's sad to see kind of, uh, I don't know, oftentimes get, get overlooked in, in favor of the most recent, like, you know, social media thing. Yeah. And it's, it all is, is unfortunately it is driven by that social media thing for sure. But to kind of skew it back to music itself, I don't think you called a resurgence, but I've seen a, an increase of bands that have, especially in this, you know, quote unquote scene that have some really great female singers and female guitar players. Yeah. It, right? Totally. I mean, Conquer Divide, for one, Red-Handed Denial. There are a bunch of really great bands. Do you see that as well? Or are there still major issues going on with you know women being seen as just the objects? I, there just seem to be so many talented women that I'm hoping that that's changing. Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, with regards to, like, I... I can definitely, because I've seen more of it, um, a lot of times when I'm talking about, you know, misogyny in in the music scene, it has a little bit more to do with um, what I've seen happen to, like, female friends of mine who are working as, like, photographers or or merch people and getting, like, treated very disrespectfully from guys, as well as the themes that go on in music. Uh, You know, I, I... I, I don't want to like pick on one particular genre, but you know, you can like kind of look at the genre of like pop punk music okay. and, and, and most songs are about like, you know, that girl, she, she broke my heart. You know, I, I hope that she, you know, whatever, like, you know, I, I'm better off without her or whatever, or the, like this girl's so awesome. I want to be with her. And it, it typically puts women in a very like, uh, kind of puts women in a role and doesn't really give a name or a face to, 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 oh. to these girls, you sure. know, it just kind of talks about them as like, they're either like a good object or a bad object. Right. Um, and, and obviously that happens outside of pop punk too, but I think pop punk's pretty famous for that. And I heard that like a hundred times over from all the, from a lot of different, you know, bands this summer. And, and that, that, that's something that I think needs to be talked about a little bit is, you know, the, the, the stories we tell and the way that we tell them, you know, that, there's there's a lot of there there can be a lot of sexism there you know and and um uh and and absolutely I I, I do know um I do know different uh, 
women who are also in bands and stuff, and they've experienced that. Especially, I mean, the the first thing that needs to get done is is to just create a culture where um, you know where women are um, educated of their rights, and where there's never an excuse given to men who you know, would, would invade a, uh, uh, someone's physical space or, or, or be, you know, give sexual advances that aren't wanted. And that that's a huge thing. And it's really cool to see, like, for instance, I think Kevin Lyman's doing a lot to get involved with that. And he has a group on Warped Tour called Voice for the Innocent. Oh, yes. Yeah. Who, uh, who, who specifically is, is working against, try, trying to work against that thing. Because Kevin Lyman absolutely never wanted that culture of, like, misogyny or rape or whatever to, to be a part of Warped Tour. And, and, yeah, I that mean, story. He, I mean, wanted it yeah. To, he wanted it to be a punk festival where everyone was included. And and it's a bummer to see what happened last summer and to see how people blamed Kevin Lyman. Right, right. Because I'm, I'm sure he might have made mistakes along the way as anyone would, but I don't think that he was ever, like, the problem as much as, like, this, this culture at large and, sure. and certain men that are inside of it. And uh, it's it's good to see that he's taking action. And uh, my, my good friend Jamie, who runs The Voice for the Innocent, was mm-hmm. out there on Warp Tour doing great stuff. Oh, great. Yeah, I was there. I have a, great, I have a good friend named Autumn uh, Lavis who's spoken out about a lot of that stuff and has gone through a lot and is doing a lot to, to make it a better music scene and a better place. So it's cool. I'm lucky for myself, anyways, to have known a lot of strong women who have gone through a lot of that stuff. So it's, it's also something that's very important to me too. So I always appreciate to hear something like that because yeah, I saw them at Warped Tour as well. Um, and they're doing a great job. Which, uh, which Warped Tour did you got? So I'm, here? I'm pissed. Cause I was going to, I was going to tell you this. So I was at the Mansfield one because I do the show out of Boston and I was, oh, cool, cool. I was so pissed that I had to miss you guys. I was so very, very, very upset. Uh, it's a long story, but how did that go for you? Was there anything special? Cause it's Mansfield. It's like you said, you don't go into the city for that kind of thing, but how did the actual set go? Uh, if you remember Dude, that specific, it was, it was great, man. It, it was really good. I, I made a friend named Joshua who I text with sometimes. And, um, he, uh, um, this awesome dude really, uh, like for some reason, Joshua really sticks out of my head, um, that I, I met and, uh, you're listening to Josh. Hey, yeah. But um, yeah, <laughs> hey, he'll uh, love that. Hopefully, I, he does. <laughs> I met a lot of cool people. It was it was a show that like the crowd wasn't the craziest. The crowd didn't know the most words, but I really felt like people were listening and, right. and like kind of came to our set to experience it. And uh, and I just I don't know. I had really really good feeling about all that. It was also really cool that Kevin had a had a local band stage. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and, and not just, I don't want to just local. I'm sure a lot of the also tour a lot, but you know, a, a, a stage for the bands of that area to like showcase their stuff. I thought that that was really cool that Kevin did that. Um, yeah, I tried to again, go back. Dude, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, 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 I could, you know, and I'm not just doing this to like impress someone because I know Kevin will never hear this. Obviously. <laughs> he's, he's a very oh no. Guy, he's, a, he's a huge fan I, of my show. <laughs> I, really? <laughs> no. I don't know. Uh, I, I was like, oh, dang. I well, think he mind. does. I, I should really watch what I said. I think he but, does uh, his yeah. own show now. Or he was just on some, like, it, it seems like, and this is just a funny thing for me, is it seems like now bands are, or artists from bands are now making their own podcasts. And I'm like, hey, guys. They are. Yeah, I'm like, hey, guys, you already got your thing. Like, let me have this. <laughs> let let the fans. say that because someone just recently told me that I should start, like, a podcast or something, and no, I'm not against it by any means, but I, I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't, 
I'd probably suck at it to be honest. Like I, yeah, I, like you know, I, I'm sure it's fine to have me on interviews and stuff, but it's it's a whole other thing to actually run it. You know. <laughs> well, no, it is. But I gotta tell you, I mean, from what I've heard from you being on the show, plus right now, you can definitely hold a conversation. So that's that's the way to do it. I think people are always well, very you. interested. Yeah, I, you you I, have your opinions. I did. Like, I did. I did hop on uh, Shane from Silverstein's podcast. I, I had to man, listen to guy, it. Yeah, <laughs> that guy is good. Like he is someone who, man, I just I, I can't even explain it. But he's yeah, like you, just like really pulls you into conversation. And before you know it, you're talking about all sorts of stuff, and it, it feels like you're sitting right next to him. So. Oh, thank you very much, man. That was I actually I listened to that show because yeah, I I mean obviously I'm a huge Silverstein fan, have been for a really long time, but. He's got that extra little thing about how, and what I like about his show is he is a vocalist. Like, it's Shane from Silverstein. So, of course, he's going to be able to get all this inside information and really get down to it. Because, like, if you wanted to talk about Warp Tour, he's like one of the kings of Warp Tour. Yeah, seriously. So, so no, it's just it easy. Funny. I don't know if you heard that, my podcast with him. I did. But you know, like, oh, you're going to have fun on Warp Tour. Uh, you know, are you taking like a bus or a bandwagon? And I was like, oh, we're taking our band that doesn't have AC. And he's like, never mind, you're going to have a terrible time right. on Warped Tour. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's seen it all. Funny. Yeah. No, it's just, it was funny because like Shane, he's had his show for a while and I get to listen to some of them. I, I don't see, this is why I mentioned at the beginning of the show that you're a different case for me because I normally won't listen to anything else because I don't want to steal anyone's ideas. But for you specifically, I didn't, I did not want to repeat a lot of questions because you are so good at having a conversation that I didn't want to have to get the short answers or the non-interest in it. So I did listen to a few different podcasts that you were in and you have done a great job. And Shane, he just, I mean, he's just got that extra insight that for me being in failed bands, I'm never going to have that type of insight. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, there there is something that that definitely comes for uh, comes with his you know knowledge of you know uh, getting to where he got as a band and and clearly, I mean, I didn't really know him before it, but just from talking to him, like you can tell that he he was there for every step of the way. You know, he wasn't checked out having someone do stuff for him. You can tell that he was very DIY with it all, which oh, yeah. which I can respect because. I, you know, I'm still here shipping out merch orders, you know, yeah. seven years after this band started. And, and I, I, I really, it's cool to see other people in way, way more successful bands than our band who have also really done that hard work, you know. Your hard work is paying off. And I know you know this, and I know a lot of people have said things like this to you, but this new album, I mean, it's going to, and it's not like there was anything wrong with the last album. Like, you know that, obviously. But this album is going or has already put you on the map and it's not out of nowhere, but it is definitely like people are talking about best album of the year, like already. Wow. I, well, I mean, that's an honor because there's, there's been some good albums already uh, that have come out. So, Oh, absolutely. Uh, but and there's, and I know you probably don't like, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure you don't like getting compliments like that, but it's true. Well, thank you. I mean, I, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, I, it, it is an honor because absolutely, you know, we we put everything we have into our records, and I, not not that not that you know other bands don't, but but it takes us a really long time to like write right. because we're constantly kind of grinding away at like you know what do we want to do right now and how's that going to look and stuff. So 
I, I appreciate you saying that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, you can definitely tell this this album's amazing. And believe me, I'm not wrapping up. I mean, I don't want to take up all your time, but it seems like we have a good enough rapport to, to talk and continue. Yeah. But um, I did want to ask you, this is going to be completely out of nowhere. I was just thinking about some things because obviously doing the show and we just had a huge conversation and talk from the show that went out yesterday. So we were talking about how a band like, uh, so the Amity Affliction, is coming out with their brand new album this week. And I was just wondering, from what I've seen you talk about and from what I've read, you kind of like distancing yourself from the Christian band kind of label because the way the scene has been um, and kind of the way it still can be. But what do you think about a band who, even though their message can be interpreted as positive, as uh, the Amity Fiction has, but they also can have lyrics that are specifically interpretive as anti-religion. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, as far as anti-religious goes, you know, um, it's obviously a very, like, in vogue thing to sort of blame religion for the problems of this world, you know? Sure. Um, and uh, I don't, it doesn't, like, offend me when I hear that because I don't consider myself religious. I consider myself, you know, very passionate about Jesus and about oh. the revolution that Jesus started and very devoted to it. And we even have that shirt that says, you know, heal us of our religion. Cause I think that religion kind of stops short sometimes of people really knowing who God is. Like the, I do like think the system about, of belief, like in general. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I do think that it's funny though, that people blame like religion for the problems of this world when clearly, like, we live in a pretty post-religious society, and Europe's, Europe's extremely non-religious, you know? Very non-religious. Um, but, but you see a lot of problems, because I believe that people will create God, um, regardless of if it's a God in the sky, or a God, you know, in their heart, or, or maybe it's money. And I think that a lot of, I see that, and, and that's kind of what the song Panic Room's about, is that, you know, our God, the God that we have in America is, is profit. It's money. And it's been that for a long time. You know, and this is the same reason why it's silly for presidents to act like, you know, to, it's silly for presidents, in my opinion, to act like, oh, you know, they're Christians and they, they stand for these various things. Because how I see it is that Christians are, that that, that presidents are, uh, they worship money. Oh, sure. <laughs> they, they worship profit margins. And soldiers, and the, 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 the altar on which soldiers soldiers get sacrificed and they get sent to wars that don't need to be fought is for for the gain of profit it's not for religion right and it's funny to see people blame religion for everything it's like you know re religion has done bad things but religion has also you know started orphanages and hospitals and schools and 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 and, and all this different stuff and it's like instead of blaming religion and instead of like you know just trying to offend people it's like we could talk about the real problems Oh. You know, the, the, like the, the real reasons why we have social issues, the reasons why we go to war for money and why people believe things and talk about racism and all these other things. But, you know, it, a lot of people just kind of want to uh, seem hardcore and seem, seem rebellious. So they just make it all about religion, I think. Sure. It's what we said before. It's no one really wants to have an open conversation because if you start talking about something, you're going to be labeled whatever ism, whatever ist that people want to put on it. So, yeah, religion can be an easy target from time to time, that's for sure. Yeah, it can be. And, and by no means, I'm not, like, offended if people want to talk about, you know, how they see religion as a problem, because I think religion can be the problem. 
but more often than not, I think it's the vehicle by which, like, like, like you look at, uh, you know, you, you look at like what Al Qaeda does and stuff. Oh yeah. And like, I, I would say that, um, while they might hide behind religion mm-hmm. and they might say that, Oh, we're doing this because God wants us to do it. It's clearly just a bunch of, a bunch of men who have political gain in mind and are trying to make something. And so, so, so they use, they use Islam as the vehicle by which they can, you know, claim legitimacy to what they do. Right. Um, and to think that like religion, to think that Islam is like the problem is, is very, I think juvenile and short sighted, even though you'll see a lot of people, um, do that, you know, both on the liberal side and on the conservative side. They're like, oh, well, if it wasn't for religion, we wouldn't have all this violence. And I think that's very foolish. Um, Absolutely. And that, 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 that seems to overlook, like, the deeper issues of the geopolitical nature of of, of why terrorism exists and, and, and what goes on um, there, and, and, and both how our foreign policy fuels terrorism and how just just the, the evil in those other countries, because I don't think America's completely to blame for terrorism. I think America has tried to stop it, but also has made decisions along the way that haven't helped at all, oh, um, such as giving giving weapons like Henry Kissinger and someone mm-hmm. like Hillary Clinton who's going to repeat those mistakes. But, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> and I think yeah. you, covered, you covered a good part of that message in the song Orphan as well. Yeah, or, Orphan especially. You know, like there, there's a lyric there that's... Um, uh, books were burned away and only swords remained. Um, yeah. Just kind of to say that, uh, you know, to, to really look at our part in all of it, and it's it's not an either-or thing once again. It's it's not like, you know, I I don't think America's fully evil, and I don't think everything that, that, that our soldiers are sent out to do is wrong, and I especially don't blame our soldiers for the problems that we see, because right. um, a lot of my best friends are soldiers, and Panic Room was written about how sad it is to see soldiers get used. You right. know, and soldiers, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, you, you go to either the Democratic or the Republican condition, and they're they're all like trying to outdo themselves, think how I, I love soldiers this much, you know, yes. like yeah. I love our troops more than anyone else, and it's like no, you don't, right? Like you don't care about those those poor kids, yeah, like, because the, the fact that you know most of these soldiers on the front lines are from lower to middle income houses and and from situations and economic conditions created by our policies, and you don't care that those kids like. Those, those those kids those kids who are dying just like you don't care about the like, the orphans that you call quote unquote collateral damage right. every time that our airstrike misses and, and then what's what's that homeless rate yeah. of vets that come back afterwards because unbelievable that's, yeah, right? right unbelievable I mean if you're you're, you're 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 you know a lot of you know the person who's outside your car window you know yelling and running back and forth and swinging trying to you know trying to trying to trying to tackle apparitions that don't even exist and are only in their head. Right. Like, so many of those people suffered. I, I just, two days ago, was talking to a dude in the park uh, next to my house in Medusa. Oh, yeah. And um, not, not my house, but my friend's house. Don't sure. get me wrong. I don't want you to think Tile Planet can buy a house. Yeah, um, the Silent my, Planet my house. Yeah. house. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, he's drinking and he's doing drugs, and he's pretty upfront with me. He's like, yep, I lost my leg in the service. Um, and he oh. shows me how he only has one leg yeah. and he was like, and uh, you know, still hurts like hell and he's here drinking and, and, and the dude did serve in Vietnam, oh, you know, geez. and it's just like, it's, it's crazy. It's like, you know, the, these people, you know, we, we make them out, uh, to be, you know, we praise them, you know, we, Oh, it's your finest hour and, and everything you've done for this country, you know, and, and you're a hero and stuff. And then, and then we let them fall apart when they come back home. Right. Yeah. 
it's not it's not abnormal to have post traumatic stress disorder. You know, these people aren't broken. It's a very normal response to to putting someone in a place where they, there's bullets flying over their head and they see people's heads getting blown off. Yeah, it's that's normal not a normal to come yeah. home. And it's yeah, that's what's not normal. Right. You know, it's it's it, it is it's 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 like on a psychological level, it's a healthy response to right. be afraid for your life when you hear loud explosions because that does you're just adapting your surroundings yeah. you know what i mean it's probably um, scarier to be desensitized by that and just to is, go with the it flow it, it, it scares me when i see videos because there are those videos of veterans that are like oh i love killing iraqis i wish i could kill 10 more today right it's like that's not healthy like that's that's abnormal that's 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 scary you know right. i think to see someone who's internalized the violence versus my friend jail who was um, for a panic room, right? Who was brave enough? Who was brave enough to come home and, and say, you know, I, I wake up sometimes like choking my pillow to death. You know, I, I'm still experiencing. I still think about those people I killed. Like that's that's a very healthy and admirable response, and it, it's hard to see him suffer. Right. Uh, with that, man, and that's. I mean. I think that's one of the reasons why people respond so positively to your music as well is because you went ahead and you created an album that really talks about that stuff because it's not just the PTSD, it's all of the mental issues you were able to write about that also affect people on a regular basis too. Well, I, I appreciate that and I, I hope that we could, you know, give something to it. It's one of those things where, you know, it's, um, we love creating music and, and doing what we do. Yeah. And I, I could never imagine doing it um, and not talking about these, these issues that I see. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and I, I tell a lot of people, like, there's, there's so many other issues that I might never get around to, like, writing, writing about. Yeah. Cause there's a lot that goes on. You know, I, I've had people say, like, oh, well, you don't talk about this, though. Like, what about this? And it's just... It's one of those things. It's like you know, I'm I'm flattered that, that you think I that, that I care about everything so much that I, I'm going to get to talking about this. But in all actuality, you know, I don't. Um, I I will fall short of of knowing everything about every social issue and really tackling everything. And I I just I'm just trying to write about these things as I see that 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 have affected so many people that I love. And right. um, you know, I. I, I never really thought I'd write a song about PTSD, but I never knew that I'd meet Jerry at that show in Nashville and stuff. And right. That's the cool thing is I, I do believe that God brings these people into my life. And I do, I do believe in, you know, I guess you could say the somewhat mystical belief that, that, you know, God talks to me and God shows me things and reveals things to me about, about this world that I never, uh, you know, that I never knew would, would come to pass. And for me, it's never been a matter of, you know, do I talk about social issues or do I, uh, you know, do I talk about social issues or do I just talk about my faith in God? Because to me, they're, they're so intertwined, sure. you know, um, and uh, I can't, I can't not talk about what God's done and what I see God doing. And I can't ignore like the suffering of other people and just write about other stuff. And uh, a lot of times I wish I could do more than just write a song too, because it's like, ultimately like writing a song only can do so much and can only impact so much but that's that's what i do right now and so i'm just gonna kind of do the best with that and you know see where it goes yeah no that's a that's a great way to put it and i personally i can say even though i love all the songs that you made i especially kind of relate 
not to the PTSD one as much, but to Nervosa. I think that that track really speaks to me uh, because of things that I've dealt with. So I appreciate that there is that kind of thing that I can look towards. So I did want to thank you for that as well. I'm sure you get it a lot, obviously, but... You know, it's funny. um, Nervosa was probably the weirdest, like, darkest song that we've ever written. I'm not surprised Um, that I relate to that one. (laughs) And uh, and we've seen... Like, I genuinely thought it would be the song on the record that no one is really talking about. You know, yeah. it's just kind of like it's on their album, but like, okay, whatever. But that that song, I I hear about, like, probably besides the singles the most. Oh, and really? I'm okay. Like, I'm really surprised by, by how much it is. And, and for sure, so some of it is, 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 you know, even talking to people who have struggled with anorexia. But I think a lot of it's too kind of just how, how very dark it is and, how, not to sound egotistical, but maybe how like very silent planet it is, if that makes sense. Like not yeah. a lot of other bands kind of sound even remotely like that. I can um, see that for sure. Just kind of having the really heavy stuff and having the really dark melody and having kind of a, a yelling spoken word vibe. And I think that might be part of it. But I've, yeah, I, we, we, we've had such a response to that song. It, it's been kind of, it's been cool, but also kind of surprising. Yeah, and to know, you know, hopefully that people have been able to adapt and, and kind of get out of that terrible phase that they've been in. I guess that's the whole point is you're hoping that people say, yes, we kind of connect to that song, but they've kind of gotten out of that part of their life because if they're coming up to you and saying they're still dealing with it and that's an issue, then I guess that's got to be pretty tough for you to hear as well. It, it's heavy for sure, but it's also, you know... Um, if there's if there's really one thing that I learned uh, when I was doing therapy, uh, I, was that like um, a lot of you know, and this is a simple thing. I don't know why it took me 24 years to figure this out. I, I must not be the smartest, the brightest uh, <laughs> tool in the shed, but um, sharpest tool in the shed. <laughs> there you go. Uh, oh, hey, there you go. <laughs> but, there you go. Um, but I, I I really. Uh, I think a lot of people, you know, when you're going through time, you genuinely, there's something within us that believes that like no one else can possibly understand what I'm going through. Um, and and I, I see that a lot, you know, and, and different people kind of just this idea of like, you know, you have no clue what I'm feeling. And, 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 and I would sit there as a therapist and stuff and see how people isolate themselves when they're in that time. Right. And I, as simple as it is, and Jake really caught this with, with heart support and what he did there, but like, just get talking to someone, you know, and a lot of times high schoolers, I'm like, dude, like, there's a therapist who can help you so much with what you're going through. Um, you know, like, you're, you're, I, I, I'm pretty sure your family would be able to help you with that. that, that your mom or your dad or whoever's in your life is someone that you can go to with that because it, it really breaks my heart to see so many young people who come to shows and I had a young lady say, Hey, that song XX City Graves that you talked about rape culture in America. Like, yeah. well, you know, I, I was raped and, and I still haven't told anyone yet. And it breaks my heart. Cause I'm like, I'm so honored that you're telling me, right. but I also, I, I can help you so much less than other people can, you know? And if I can do anything with this, like 10 seconds that we have together, I want you um, I, I'm going to pray for you to have the bravery to talk to someone about that, you know? Sure. It's... And, and know that, know that like you're so much more powerful uh, when, when you use your voice. 
and and when 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 you know even if you're afraid that people might un- not understand and it's true they might not but but but, but you, you you need to decide if that's a risk that you're willing to take and right. i think it is a i think it is a risk that you should take yeah um, but uh you know that's it's it, it it can be pretty heavy sometimes though you know people do people are often right in the thick of going through things and and wanting to wanting to be there. And absolutely, I'd love to talk to you and pray with you about that stuff and give you practical advice. But I often tell people, um, you know, I, I can only do so much. And unfortunately, a lot of times it feels like I can only do very little. <laughs> and, and I can, uh, I've had, to, you know, so some people are like, oh, you know, you saved my life or your music saved my life. And, right. and I, I really do like to tell people that, you know, to be honest, I, I didn't. You know, like what, whatever it was, whatever made you decide to like put down the gun or to not or, or, or to. All right, guys, I know this is strange for me to butt into a very poignant point by Garrett, but it doesn't make any sense with the way the transition is going to go, because right at that moment, Garrett's phone dies. And if you look at your own podcast listening app, whatever it happens to be, you're going to see that we're coming up on probably around an hour and a half or so by this point. So his phone has died and he has to plug it in and charge it for a bit. And then he answers as I call back and you'll hear that in a second. So here's the rest of the conversation with Garrett. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Garrett. So I Sorry, have... my, my phone, my phone died. Oh, okay. All right. I was so worried it was something on my end. Oh no, no. It's like my phone died. Um, and I have to go in like oh. five minutes. Garrett, I, unfortunately, no, I totally let me let me just thank you. I appreciate everything. Uh, I know that was like a terrible, inopportune time for the for the phone to die, but I know you're very busy, and I appreciate the time that you took to be. Oh on the yeah, show. well, I I normally I just yeah I uh, I'm up visiting my parents right now. And, oh okay. Uh, I'm gonna gonna grab dinner with my mom, but yeah. Absolutely no. And just once again, thank you, thank you to your mother for letting you. Uh, take the time to talk with me. I, I really appreciate it. So once again, thank you for everything. Hopefully you enjoy your dinner. And uh, hopefully I get a chance to talk to you soon. But once again, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, if you ever want to uh, do more of this anytime, I'm I'm always, I, I have a lot of time that I spend probably eight hours a day typically in a van just driving. So right. uh, you, you usually usually have time for this. So I, I, would, I would love to talk more really appreciate appreciate you and having me on this and just uh no thank you really uh really 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 great podcast you do oh thank you very much yeah as long as i didn't waste your time that was the main thing for me no yeah you definitely did not all right well thank you and garrett i will have everything situated on the show uh links for everyone to get your stuff to support you and everything so once again man i i can't thank you enough i i love this conversation oh i did too dad thank you yeah i'll talk to you soon All right, guys, so that is the end of the conversation with Garrett. I hope you enjoyed that. I know I did. You can tell I did. I like having conversations like that. I think it's awesome, and especially someone who's knowledgeable in not only music, but so many things that are happening around the world, so it was really fun to talk to Garrett about that. Now, make sure you go out and get everything Silent Planet does. I was not joking when I told him 
that Everything Was Sound is already on top 10 lists for best album of the year. It's on mine. You know you've heard me say it before on the show. You know it's high on Ty and Jackson's list as well. It is an amazing, amazing album. So make sure you pick that up. Also, we did briefly speak on it as well, but also check out The Night God Slept. Make sure to go see them on tour as well. Interact, obviously. Garrett is great at interacting with everyone. Make sure to support Silent Planet, facebook.com slash silentplanetmusic. You can also go to www.silentplanet.band, twitter.com slash slnplnt, and instagram.com silentplanetband. Like I said, I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Thank you very much, Garrett. And thank you, Jerry Graham from Jerry Graham Publicity. Thank you very much for setting up that conversation. It was great. So like I said, we might do this from time to time. I think it'll depend on the conversation. I think it'll depend on the length of the quote-unquote regular show that I do with Ty and Jackson because we seem to not have a problem talking for a long period of time about the music that we love. That's just the way it is. So sometimes it might be better to separate and kind of surprise release these. So I hope everyone enjoyed that. Feel free once again to let me know. You can interact with me on Twitter at Ian Hates Podcast. On Instagram, Ian Hates Podcast. You can email me, ianhates at gmail.com. And then you can also speak with me and follow on Facebook, facebook.com slash ianhates. And then once again, as you all know, you can go to www.ianhates.com. You can get every single episode of Ian Hates Music and Ian Hates Movies, plus new shows that are coming soon. And as you know, however you're listening, you can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and any other of your favorite podcast listening apps. Please rate, subscribe, and share. It always helps the show. It's much appreciated. So once again, thank you very much, Garrett. And as you heard me talk about Nervosa, we're going to leave you with Nervosa off of Everything With Sound right now. I will leave you the way I always do. Long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone.
Shape you need God's enough to slide through